Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to The Roadbook with Ned Bolting and David Miller, part of the Never Strays Far family of podcastery. Back-to-back podcasting, David Miller. Day by day, we offer more and more to the podcast world. And here we are at the men's, uh, the elite men's race, which is about 40 kilometres old now and about 60 kilo- uh, sorry, 24 kilometres shorter than it should have been. Yeah, which means we're at 225 kilometres to go. And uh, unfortunately, they have cut out one of the most interesting bits of this run-in. But that was, uh, I think it was unavoidable. I, just driving in myself now from uh, Grantley Hall, it was literally even big, really reasonably main roads have huge pools of water on them. As we now, as we're watching, you're just seeing cars just ripping through these huge pools. So it is, the weather couldn't be worse. Yeah, it's funny when race organisers take decisions like the one that was taken very early this morning, obviously it was scheduled to be a very early start anyway, 8.40 was the original scheduled start time. And from what I understand, the the local organising committee had people at three o'clock in the morning at the foot of the butter tubs climb assessing weather conditions because it rained so heavily overnight so they knew it was coming and they acted very swiftly but sometimes when you get that information you doubt it don't you You think oh come on it can't be that bad turns out it really was and the standing water you know it's probably about a meter deep at the foot of the butter tubs climb no way you could pump it off the race it's continuing to rain all day an absolute no-brainer so um, that's not to say that it's not a brutal race, uh, even without those two climbs that have been taken out. And as we're watching, finally a group seems to have uh, established itself. It's got Primoz Roglic in it. It's got Nairo Quintana in it. Magnus Court is in the group. Uh, so too is Petr Vakoc, the Czech rider from De Koenig Quickstep. Uh, Maciej Bodnar, the Polish rider, is in the group as well. Uh, Jan Polanc, the Slovenian. So two Slovenians, including... Uh, the winner of the Vuelta, Primoz Roglic. Um, and Alex Howes is there from America. Uh, so some interesting riders. And uh, yeah, what is it, about 12 or something like that? looks to be about 12 riders. And they've got a 2 minute 22 lead. And yet there is one team that has been conspicuous in their absence up to now. And that's Belgium. And they would be the team who you expect to be most at ease, uh, almost content with this weather, these weather situ- this, these conditions this is where they excel this is what I know for a fact I know Philip Gilbert very well as a friend and these are the days where he wakes up and sees it and just relishes it and knows it's going to be a good day for him 
Well, Philippe Gilbert um, has been right on cue with seeing pictures of him. He's been the only Belgian who we've caught sight of. He's already needed um, one wheel change, a front wheel change for a puncture. And right now, as we're looking, 223.6k to go, he's, um, he's just looking for his team car again. And let's just find out what's going on here. But he's literally been the only Belgian we've seen, David. They have not put their nose in the wind. They haven't attacked once yet. But then again, none of the bigger teams have attacked, with the exception of Italy. Gianni Moscon tried to get in a move and then sat up again. Uh, but the Belgians ha- have been playing their cards very close to their chest so far. I, I think they're playing the cards that they know there's, there's just, it's an absolute waste of time to be in the breakaway. <laughs> the, the breakaway is not going to survive today. That These conditions are too bad. Because let's not forget also, when a conditions are this bad, a lot of the riders who uh, aren't actually that interested in the race or know they won't make it to the finish, f- figure they'll, they'll do their duty by getting in that breakaway. Yeah. So it's yeah. a breakaway made up of riders that don't even tend to make it to the finish. Yeah. And Belgians just are so confident in, in how the race unfolds and so savvy they've understood that they're not even considering or, or panicking around the breakaway because when you look at the riders now let's if we look at them they're all wrapped up they've got jackets on Philip Gilbert's got this this buff of sorts up around his face and he's just going back to his car again probably to get another jacket uh, and that also means that the people that are off the front are wasting so much energy because they've got too many clothes on they're overheating they're they're unaerodynamic which means Matthew van der Poel David I don't know. I don't think you were watching at the because you've arrived late. That's basically what I'm trying to yeah. say. A little bit late. We've seen Mathieu van der Poel once, and he was wearing like a, an inflatable. I mean, the most unaerodynamic, ballooning, ridiculous, sportive type gilet. That I've it, honestly, it was an absolute um, sort of air anchor. It was really surprising. That's and there's, there's quite a few riders wearing sort of tr- terribly inappropriate clothing. And there's a difference. We look at these pictures we're looking at now. All these riders that are coming by in Gilbert and the convoy, they're all wearing these huge aerodynamic rain jackets. He's still in just a Belgian blue. He's the only one there in the actual long sleeve kit. Now, he's probably got gore, some sort of gore x light fabric which can withstand the weather conditions. But that's a huge advantage at this point in the race as well. It means he's more aerodynamic. And aerodynamics are, are one of the most important things in cycling. Yeah. Um, also noticeable that the Belgian team are not chasing, are they? They're not. They haven't put any riders on the front. So at the moment, there are three teams sharing the work. Jos van Emden's riding for the Netherlands team for Mathieu van der Poel. Uh, big showing from the Aussies. They've got three or four riders, including Rowan Dennis, who probably won't finish the race. He's just doing his um, work now, riding for Michael Matthews. And uh, Julien Bernard is there for the French team. So three big teams with three potential winners there. Um, no Belgians. So that, I think it's really interesting, and they're going to explode into life uh, later on in the race, when presumably closer to Harrogate when they get onto the circuit. They're going to do it nine times the circuit, and uh, and that brings you up to speed. It, but I mean, it is grotesque weather today, isn't it, David? It really is. Yeah, as I said, it couldn't possibly be worse. It's uh, unless it was snowing, uh, actually. But sometimes rain's worse than snow. Uh, and it's not warm either. You can see that everyone's dressed up. So it is going to change the race. And, and I think the Belgians are the most aware of that. And it's going to just, uh, it's, uh, at the moment, it's survival. And it's a total commentator's nightmare as well. Because not only are the commentary team, I'm so glad we're not actually having to commentate this race, David. Not, not only are they having to deal with, um, actually we're now seeing Philippe Gilbert, he's gone for a rain jacket. So he's now gone a bit stealth, pulling a black rain jacket, a Deconic quick step one actually, over his... Belgian national uh, national colours, so he's gone, gone invisible now, and uh, he will disappear into this largely black peloton. 
but yeah, it, it, the, the riders got no numbers on display. The team colours are, are all mixed up. It's really hard to identify who's who, not just for the commentators, but for the riders in the race as well, I would imagine. Yeah, it is, and that's what makes this race uh, so special, is that there are so many different factors you have to take into account, because especially these days when you have a lot of the riders who then have custom bikes, custom helmets, different kits, often... The only identifier can just be you catch a glimpse of their sponsor on the kit, but now many teams don't even have that. So, But it's, it does make it more interesting, and you often have to wait until the finale when the riders you expect to be there are there. At the moment, when that breakaway is going at the beginning, it's very difficult to know who's in there. You have to wait until you hear it on the race radio. All right, um, um, we're going to do some magic podcast editing now and play some music and, and jump forward in time to a different, as yet unspecified point as the Earth spins on its axis and gently rotates around the sun. There's our astrophysics for this edition of the podcast. It's uh, 152.4 kilometres to go. The gap's gone up to four minutes. Alexei Lutsenko's had a bit of a um, bit of a scare, but he's being paced back on the team from uh, Kazakhstan looking after Alexei Lutsenko. He's a real he's one of those riders who it wouldn't surprise me at all if he ends up winning this race, because I've watched him throughout this year. I remember uh, a stage of Terreno Adriatico this year where I was commentating and he got himself in the break, he attacked, he crashed twice, was caught, and then beat the rest of the riders in the sprint at the end. So um, he's had a wonderful year and won a bunch of races and he's full of ambition here. Um, so that's the situation. Not much has changed. There's another 50k or so, a bit less, 30k I think, until they get to Harrogate and the circuit can begin. And it's still Rowan Dennis riding for the Australians on the front, sharing the work with Julian Bernard and Jos van Emden. Those three teams still doing the work and still no sign of the Belgians. No sign of the Belgians. They are lurking. Um, but we've got time to chat to a, um, a couple who've made their way over here to the... Uh, championships from Birmingham, Alabama. Is that right? Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham. And it's John and uh, EA, John's wife, who um, joined uh, just a couple of days ago. But John, we met about, well, it seems like a month ago when the, the, the championship started. You it came in. Like and, ages ago. It seems like ages ago. Yeah. And you're something of a regular. This is something you do quite often come to the, the road race championships. Oh, I wish we could see racing more often in the United States. Unfortunately, the, the cities and the communities don't exactly support it, like like the support over here in Europe. So we saw the race the first time over in Richmond. We fell in love with the format, and we've been following it around ever since. Well, that's fantastic. And EA, same story for you. Richmond's just changed everything for you, did it? It absolutely did. Um, we skipped the Middle East, and then we ended up going to uh, Norway and Bergen, and then we went to Innsbruck, and now we're here in Yorkshire. It's been fantastic. Have you enjoyed it? I mean, it has been tough for the spectators, let's be honest. You guys have got yourself, you know, very sensibly into the hospitality lounge, so you're keeping warm and dry and fed. But, uh, you know, it, it's been, it has been tough for the guys, for the folk out on the road, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean... It's, it's been tough as a spectator, but let's think about the riders. I mean, this is, this is a lot tougher for them. So as a true fan, I think you get out there and you support the riders, rain or shine. Yeah, yeah. You, I was speaking to you before when we both arrived today. I mean, you absolutely love this sport, don't you? Road racing just is, is everything to you, isn't it? It really is. Uh, we both have, well, my husband still rides. I rode in a prior life before children, but um, it's a beautiful sport. It's uh, strategic. It's tactical. It's aggressive. It's... It's amazing to watch. And how good have the Americans been, huh? Oh, my gosh. This has been outrageous. I'm just excited to finally see a race day where the Americans aren't doing all the work on the front of the peloton. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you got... I can't, I'm trying to think how you win this race today, and I'm not entirely sure I've got an answer to that. Have you, John? Well, I think you have to have a lot of help from your team. I think, uh, I think the riders that are going to win the race, the, the, the short list of riders, the favorites, we haven't seen them yet because they've been protected in the peloton. But specifically the Americans. I was trying to make a case for the Americans today in this race. Your EA is shaking her head. Can you see a winner? I can't see a winner today from the American ranks, no. 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 Well, that's an honest one. You've, yeah, we just, we just don't have the depth, yeah. the depth of talent. It's, it, we're building it, as you can plainly see, in the juniors. Uh, we got, we got some really good riders coming up. But, but uh, the, the type of rider that it, it takes to win at this level with this kind of competition, we're not there yet. Yeah, it's a distinctly, it's got, especially a race like today, it's got a distinctly European kind of feel about it, hasn't it? You know, the, one, the, the tradition of hard one-day races, you've got to look at the Belgians in particular today, haven't you? Oh, yeah. This, this, this is Flandrian weather right here. This, is, this really plays to the Belgians, in my opinion. I like, uh, I like Van Avermaet. I like Evan Poole, even though he may be a bit young. I like, I like the Dutch rider, Van der Poel. I think uh, he's, he's a favorite, obviously. Everybody's marked him, but uh, don't count out Sagan either because he's been protected. I saw him earlier in the race. He's surrounded by several teammates that aren't riding for the Slovakian team that are watching out for him. So, uh, yeah. What are you going to say? Uh, yeah. uh, I just, you know, this race has changed a lot with the loss of the two biggest climbs of the day, and I yeah. think it's kind of become a different type of race, um, and not so much for the climbers, but for anybody that can handle the conditions all right and when is the next great american rider gonna emerge do you think um and and and, you know is do you see a potential you know that generation of talansky and tj van uh, talansky's obviously stopped tj's kind of stalled his career a little bit it's going backwards is there someone waiting in the wings who can maybe podium on a grand tour or win one one day well, I think you, you don't have to look any further than the, the junior race uh, that we saw a couple of days ago. I mean, Quinn Simmons, they had a magnificent race. Wasn't he good? He was fabulous. And, and, and Magnus uh, Sheffield that did all the work up front to control the peloton. I mean, these are, these are really talented riders coming up in the juniors. That's about all I can say. I mean, we have some great American riders in the pro peloton these, these days. But, uh, but world beaters, not at the moment. All right, I've just suddenly remembered something about Birmingham, Alabama. I've been thinking, why does that ring a bell? Why does that ring a bell? And I remember there's a big um, mass participation ride in Birmingham in the United Kingdom called, I can't remember what it's called, someone will tell me online, I'm sure. And I remember attending it a couple of years ago and meeting this guy from Birmingham, Alabama, who had entered it and paid his entry uh, fee uh, mistakenly and drunkenly one night, thinking it was happening in Birmingham, Alabama. And he woke up in the morning and checked what he'd done online, you know, and realized he'd actually entered a race in Birmingham in the UK and thought, oh, do you know what? I'll just book a flight and go and do it anyway. So there we go. It says a lot about the, the good folk from Birmingham, Alabama, doesn't it? They're, they're committed, hardy folk, yeah. We're committed. We're resilient, if nothing else. You have to be down in the south where it's 90-plus degrees three or four months out of the year. Also, you've taken time away from your six-month-old baby daughter. You've got a whole bunch of kids, haven't you? But, um, yeah, so you need to get back. You're eventually going to get back to your family, aren't you, when, and dry out after this torrential rain. It's been really nice to get to know you, and um, we'll see. Just pick a winner. Go on, one winner. One name. Sagan. And you? Philippe. Cool, that'll be cool. Both those would be cool. All right. Well, uh, the race has just got to the Harrogate circuit. 120 kilometers to go and uh, just before the first passage of the finish line and out onto the first of nine laps 
Uh, Philippe Gilbert was caught up in a big crash, a slow motion crash actually, into the barriers and looks badly hurt. Remco Evenepoel was straight on hands and uh, will be trying to pace him back on. He took a bike change, uh, but he looked in, in bad nick. Rowan Dennis has just finished his race, as I thought he would. He's got to the circuit, done his job and stepped off. The gap last time we got a reading was uh, down to within a minute and the French team starting to drive very hard as they went on as a circuit for the first time. But the big news is uh, that we have no live pictures because rather shambolically and unfortunately... One of the two fixed-wing aircraft that relay the signal off the race <coughs> from the motorbike cameras to the finish line uh, has not been able to take off. And the one that has been up in the air needed to go down and refuel. So that's what's happened. There's no fixed-wing aircraft, and that means no live pictures. Um, this affects racing from time to time, but it's pretty unusual. And it's just a, an added complication on a, a pretty unsatisfactory day so far. And uh, so for the next hour or so we understand and with the exception of when we see them through the, the finish line we're not going to see much of the race which is deeply frustrating Ned I've just come back from my run and it looks like it's absolute chaos yeah you haven't missed much David honestly honestly one job your one job today was don't go for a run in fact, the, the writing was on the wall this morning when you tried to go for a run and your body wouldn't let you go for a run, right? Yeah, but then, your body's not always right. And you didn't listen to your body and you've just been for a run right when the race happened. And I felt great. Do you even want to know what's been going on? Yes, yeah, so I need to know everything's okay, okay. going on. All right, so um, we can't see a flipping thing, as I've just explained. Every, oh, we're, now we're seeing Primoz Roglic shivering and uh, everyone's climbing off every time they come through. You know, the, the crosswinds Dan has already come off. Now we're seeing a glimpse of live pictures and uh, Belgium are riding on the front with Greg Van Avermaet in mind. Now that was quite, that's quite interesting because Gilbert crashed um, and then Remco Evenepoel waited for him and tried to ride him back across a gap um, and did what he could. I think, it's so hard to say, but I think Evenepoel has now popped and exploded and, and gone and Gilbert is in a group off the back now and I think in the knowledge that Gilbert is probably not getting there we yeah, go Pool, just I thought he has sat up 100.4 k's to go so he's done what he could and it, unfortunately it wasn't enough for Gilbert so Gilbert is still in the race but he's not really in the race anymore um, and as a result Belgium are riding hard on the front now I think solely for Greg Van Avermaet now that's their, that's their only chance but they've still got Wellens in the race as well as, um, what's his name, Yves Lampard. So they've got the, a few other cards, but it's, it's, come, it's come a little bit unstuck for Belgium. But look at the amount of people out there still. That's what I noticed on my run, just kind of took, it was a battle to get through all the people through, along the straights and here on the course. I mean, that's pretty impressive. But yeah, I've never seen a race with this sort of attrition. Maybe I was speaking to my wife on the way back here, and she said, what's it like? And I said, well, I guess, she's a, is it like the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow? where it was like this 11 finished and that's yeah. a bit like what this looks like alright so we're seeing the front of the peloton now Tim de Klerk is um, in the last throws almost of what he can do I think and uh, on his wheel you've got Greg Van Avermaet uh, Julian Alaphilippe's close towards the front and they're all sort of uh, lining up on the Belgian wheels now so for the first time we're seeing Belgium very active and and, and that's, uh, that's about that. But we're just getting intermittent glimpses. And we're not going to get live coverage for another half an hour. So a couple of laps of the circuit. And it's deeply frustrating. And questions are going to have to be asked. Because a lot has gone wrong at these championships. Whether it's been uh, the intervention of the commissaires. Whether it's been uh, dealing with the conditions that caused the big crashes. 
uh, for the juniors early on. You know, there's obviously things that they couldn't have dealt with with the weather, but this is, you know, this is the fault of someone. This yeah, well, unless I, I forget, it is the UCI World Championships. Yeah. It's the only, there's only a few events in the year where they are solely responsible for for the actual organization, if you like, and take all responsibility. And, and that's kind of says a lot, I think, unfortunately. Yeah. 41.8 kilometers to go, Ned. Turnison, Turnison. Uh, yeah. it's, a hard, it's a difficult move that's coming together now. Quite dangerous, potentially. Uh, it was Stefan Kung and Lawson Craddock who attacked, first of all. Craddock's been dropped. Kung's still there. Mads Pedersen was launched across by Magnus Kortz, who was in the original breakaway. Did a lot of work setting that move up. Pedersen went across. And now, uh, and then Turnison counterattacked. He's the interesting one. And Moscon has counterattacked. And if those four riders get together... That is not only dangerous for the rest of the race and puts uh, Belgium, Sagan, Alaphilippe under pressure, but it also could be a genius move for the Dutch, couldn't it? Uh, this is heavy, heavy weaponry, and now we're just watching as Kung finally removes his rain jacket. He's got Pedersen, he's got Turnison with him, Moscon's about to get him, and Belgium are now panicking, so they're starting to ride behind. But you can see, we're seeing from all the images, everybody in the peloton is looking exhausted, and this sort of move was just under an hour's go of racing could be the move that everybody has to get up to and other attacks will have to go from behind it's uh, the race has now officially begun with 42 40 k's to go and a hallelujah a helicopter chops its rotor blades through this dank air above us and we've got a bike race in an hour to go Now, 22 and a half kilometers to go, and it has happened, hasn't it? The final selection uh, has been decided, and it was animated by Mathieu van der Poel and Matteo Trentin. Yeah, we can see Matteo van der Poel have been sitting around the front of what was left of the peloton, if we could call it the front group, when the previous group was Lawson Craddock and Stefan Kung that had set it off, as we discussed before. But it was when the counterattacks came, when they realized they couldn't bring that group back, that it was Matteo Trentin and van der Poel that set off in pursuit and they just sprung across. It was when Turnison got dropped, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was, uh, that yeah. was what was amazing. Yeah. Turnison got dropped, and it was also... Trentin had attacked behind, because he could obviously sense the danger. Turnison was dropped, and it was out of sight to the front group of what's left the peloton. But obviously it came on the peloton, and instantly Van der Poel went. So he was just sitting there like a cocked gun, waiting for Turnison to be dropped. And when he was dropped, he just shot it. So there are now a group of five, including Trentin and Mathieu Van der Poel. Uh, as well as Mads Pedersen, who bridged across. Uh, Stefan Kung, who's still there from that first attack with Lawson Craddock. And, and at, at Gianni Moscon is there. Um, but it looks like we're at the point of no return because the numbers in what remains of the peloton are too small. There's only about 30 riders there, and Alaphilippe has got one teammate there. Um, Greg Van Avermaet, the sole surviving Belgian favourite, only has one rider there. And they don't have the numbers, I don't think. They don't. And France have just started riding after Belgium had been for a while with just one rider at a time, with Italy and Australia marking that chase. Now France have finally decided to come to the front, but it looks like it's too late. 52 seconds, the distance between the peloton, well, I call it a front group, and the leaders. There is a chase group in the middle, but they're going nowhere. Tom Skunch, Carlos Betancourt, and one other rider, Yon uh, 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 But uh, they're, they're coming back rather than going across, and that's it. So the win, I think, unless we're horribly wrong, will come from one of those five riders at the front. Actually, it won't. It will either come from Matteo Trentin or Mathieu van der Poel, unless one of the other riders does something exceptional. It will be a shock if it's not one of those two riders. 
One kilometre to go in the 2019 World Championship men's road race. Three guys clear. Moscon has been dropped. So Stefan Kung's on the front. Kasper Pedersen on his wheel. Matteo Trentin just surfing the wheels, looking over his shoulder from time to time as Peter Sagan has launched a ridiculous last gasp attack out of the peloton to try and bridge across a gap that last time we saw was still over a minute. So that's probably not going to happen unless they really start to mess around now. But they're entering this now famous finishing straight in Harrogate. They've got this left-hander now and then the right-hander to land them up on Parliament Street. And Pedersen and Kung, David, surely have to settle for silver and bronze between them here. Well, you'd think so. I mean, everybody's going to have their eyes on Trent. You know, Trent is just looking around. He knows that Stefan Kung has buried himself to make sure there's only three of them here. So he's got a guaranteed medal. Pedersen was, again, he went early. It's just that I think they know what's going to happen, yet they still live in hope. Here we go then. Uh, right hand now onto Parliament Street. These 10% gradients. Trenton looks over his right shoulder, checks to see where Kung is. Now Pedersen on the front finds himself with a nightmare that is Matteo Trentin in that blue jersey with a yellow helmet of Mitchelton Scott, the European road race champion. Trenton looking so lucid, so in control, so comfortable. Kung dropping a wheel or two off the back as if he wants to launch something long. But they've got up the steep section now all together. It's a track sprint. But Matteo Trentin has this totally under control. He's got by far the fastest kick of these three of uh, these three riders. The flags are waving in the air. The Slovakian flag of Peter Sagan. And now Trentin goes. And this is the moment. Surely he's got a long way out, I have to say. Some three of the meters. Pedersen counters. Pedersen gets past him. Pedersen, Mats Pedersen of Denmark is going to win and nobody, but nobody saw that one coming. The most unexpected outcome and an absolutely brilliant ride. And what happened to Matteo Trenti? Where did that come from? Well, as I said, they lived in hope. Pedersen, it was more than hope. He knew he must have felt good. Their team rode well. He was one of the first attackers before he even got up there. He's laying on the floor. That seemed like an impossible dream. He drops to the floor. He's lying in the wet tarmac here, looking up at these grey Yorkshire skies. His mouth is open. He cannot speak. And in the meantime, Matteo Trentin is standing, looking shocked at what's just happened. A big cheer goes up for Peter Sagan, who salutes the crowd here. He finishes in fourth place. But Denmark has a world champion and that was brilliant I'll tell you what that's going to take some explaining the bubble has burst the noise has receded I mean minutes ago the ceremony came to a close the anthems were played and Mads Pedersen pulled on that jersey and um the room that we've just left, it's kind of quiet out here in the terrace as people filing away from the finish line, but the room we've just left was abuzz with that, weren't they? People were thrilled by that. They were thrilled. It was sport at its best, where you you have the unexpected, and that's often what we live for, and especially a young rider that nobody knows. He's 23 years old. He's Danish from a nation that isn't renowned for success. The Well, not renowned. They've never done it. They've never done this before. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I think everybody has lapped it up and loved it, and especially because it appeared to be a given and I think this world has very much been a lot like that it's we came here expecting tour de Yorkshire weather and the kind of blue skies and the the embrace and the happiness and as we're watching here and as where we stand that all of a sudden those barriers that people were just looking at and seeing those huge crowds that it's that it's all gone because everybody only came out here to watch the bike race and the bike race is now over and it's all filtering out 
And David, it, it was a race today that um, it was last man standing. That ultimately, that's what it was. Wasn't it? And people question the length of this race. Um, that's the reason, because who who dares? Who who who's still there at the end? Who's still there? I, I it's was, uh, you know. Yeah. So it happened at the back, didn't it? One by one, it was that was it. You know, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going about to say, he who dares wins, and Mads Pedersen took a, a big risk. And to be to be honest, Matteo van der Poel did as well. And but I think his risk was taken with confidence of going for the win. Mads Pedersen, as you pointed out, we weren't aware that maybe he was confident enough to go for the win. Yeah, as we can hear the finishing music playing in the background. But uh, yeah, he was no, their plan all along. He was their. Pl- he yeah. was their plan all along. You explained that to me because I hadn't really taken that well, in. Well, Magnus Court got in the move, didn't he? And you thought, why Magnus Court? Why not one of your other guys? He's your guy for the finish. But no, he wasn't. And when that, when that break inevitably, as we knew it would, got called back, Magnus Court did another hour uh, on the front, and you know worked hard and launched him. Yeah. And from that moment on, they just backed the kid. And then you had, when the chases were going on, the man marker getting in the way of the chases. It was Jakob Fuglsang. Correct, yeah. He was sitting in second position. Jakob Fuglsang. All swaddled up like he was in the Arctic race of Arcticness. A rider in his mid-30s with uh, one of the, the best Palmares ever of a yep. Danish rider was protecting Mads Pedersen. And they, yep. they clearly had absolute confidence in him. Yeah. Uh, which n- And none of us knew this. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And that's bike racing. But I think it's... Uh, yeah, I think, and uh, just what you're going back to, the world is always a race of attrition uh, in the sense that everyone always waits and they allow 90, 80% of the race to go from the back and then about when you get to a, within about 30 kilometers from the finish, 25 kilometers, often 20 kilometers from the finish, that's when the leaders start hitting out. Today, what happened was, which is very interesting, the attrition was much more atrocious than, atrocious than usual. And the bait play... <laughs> atrocious attrition. <laughs> atrocious attrition. The bait play, which is normally what happens uh, at about 50 k's in the finish, where teams will say, send out their next best riders, their second, third best riders out to taunt un- other teams to chase, is that's actually what ended up being what made the race. So good. So good. I was tempted, as you heard earlier on in the podcast... I was tempted to start picking picking away a little bit at the scabs that have formed at certain points during this week because it hasn't been perfect, far from it, and I'm not going to be uncritical ultimately. But do you know what? Right now, I couldn't give two hoots. No, and you all know that what? Criti- all those like grumbles, I, they've actually receded because I've just seen absolutely what I wanted to see. And I've just thought of something that's really, which people who, who had come to our show or listened to our commentary on TV, something and our other podcasts, this recent proverb that we've learned. Yes, yes, you taught me. Yeah. Was it Danish? It's Danish. It's a Danish proverb. Remind us. The Danish proverb goes that (laughs) I don't like predictions, especially those in the future. And so this whole past week, everybody's been asking me, well, who's your prediction? And I was like, I don't know. And there you go. And a Dane wins. Well, well, that's brilliant because I'd already prepared, you know, a a, a little sort of a little sentence to sum up the week. And I was going to I was going to go with it rained for a week and everyone cried. I quite like it still, but I think yours is better. And uh, um, that was very special. No words for it. That was very special.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 